So Mrs. Taylor, I want to thank you so much um, for uh, just the honor and privilege for you to be here. Um, I recognize that you have a busy schedule, um, not just as a life coach, as a counselor, um, having traveled all over the world. I want to thank you so much for joining us on the Unpreached Truth About God and Money. Um, just uh, before we get things kicked off, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, what you represent, um, so our audience can know more about you. Absolutely. It's an honor to be with you today. Uh, for 35 years, I've been on a speaking tour, um, 35 in the United States, Brazil, London, Jamaica, the Bahamas, South Africa, uh, Turks and Caicos, the Virgin Islands, you name it. Um, speaking as a motivational speaker, speaking as a personal development speaker, I'm known as the self-esteem doctor because I began to realize that if you don't know your self-worth, you'll make some choices that are not that are going to block your success in your peace, mm. your prosperity, and your spiritual walk. I'm an author of several books. I am a podcaster like yourself. I am the founder of a nonprofit organization called Women on the Grow. I am a wife of 50 years. I am a mm. mother. And I have a wonderful grandson, three years old. <laughs> awesome. So I do wear many hats. <laughs> awesome. That's amazing. I mean, first of all, shout out at 50 years of marriage. I think everybody who's listening should just be able to shout out loud and, and, and just thank God. That's an amazing, amazing thing. Um, and not just uh, that, but also the work that you've been doing in ministry, making a difference in people's lives. Shout out to your grandson as well. Um, I, I just want to say that, honestly, like I, I was talking to my wife earlier um, and I, I said, just just reading some of the things that you've done. It's just amazing uh, what God has done in your lifetime. So tell us, how how did you start on this journey? Did you wake up one morning and say, hey, you know, I, I want to be a life coach. I want to start my own businesses, my own ministries. Or uh, was that something you begrudgingly did? How did that journey begin? Well, in hindsight, I realized that I was always teaching. I was always sharing. And I began to read personal development books like Think and Grow Rich and Following Jim Rohn. And as I watched them, something triggered inside of me, something sparked and said, that's what I want to do. And I didn't see anybody in 1984, a female, let alone a woman of color. But I just felt like that is what I'm supposed to be doing. It was just no mistaking. And so I set a goal that I would quit my full-time job in human resources. I set a date. I met that date. I downsized my lifestyle. I worked part-time because my children were young at the time. And I began coaching, you know, in restaurants. I'd meet somebody at a restaurant or somewhere and I'd talk to them and I'd do uh, motivational talks at churches and small organizations, the YWCA. And as I built my resume and the word of mouth, that's the only thing that I've ever, um, that ever worked for me was just word of mouth. And I expanded mm. from being local to global. I went from no fee to fee. Mm. I went from not fully understanding the power, the gift, the anointing that was on my life to finally standing in it and saying, this is what I do unapologetically, but I'm still learning. And to meet you and to hear you talking about understanding financial literacy really triggered me because that's what I'm focusing on with my audiences. The, mm -hmm. And because most of my demographics are women, I find that women have a lot of emotional issues tied to their abundance, their prosperity, and their mm -hmm. financial literacy. So I teach a masterclass every Sunday because of the pandemic. I had to pivot like everyone else. And I said, you know what? I got to stay connected. I got to sharpen my tool. I got to still find a way to teach. And so thank God for these virtual video Zooms. I'm able to connect with people uh, every Sunday through my masterclass. And I'm still doing speaking engagements on with conferences via video. Hmm. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And I, I, I love the fact that... Um, you're gearing something, you know, in terms of the finances, especially with women. I, I remember reading a statistic once that talked about that even our consumer markets are 80% driven by women. Yes. Um, 
And so it's very interesting how the advertising industry puts out all this money to cater things, to, to, to appeal to our senses, to try to get us to purchase and buy and make decisions. And a lot of women uh, make those decisions. Now, how, you know, you, you talked about emotions, right? And, and uh, sometimes people just kind of dismiss it. Like, oh, I'm just trying to be logical about things. And, right. you know, I have a structure. But can you tell us about just the influence that emotions have in this decision making? Why, why is this important to talk about? Well, the marketers, they know that most of us make emotional decisions, not logical decisions when it comes mm -hmm. to spending our money. And when it comes to women, we are emotionally wired differently than men. Mm -hmm. And so when we are not emotionally well, when we're going through a divorce or we're lonely or we're bored, or we're stressed, or we're constantly online and constantly trying to be an achiever, mm. we will do make decisions that are not for our best interest. And they know how to present it in such a way that we feel justified in making a lot of irrational choices. And I'm one of those. I'm a recovering spendaholic. <laughs> I'm a recovering shopaholic. And I dare to say and expose myself to my audience to say, look, I am not an expert, but I'm reading and I'm learning and I'm transparent and I'm vulnerable and I want to share with you what I'm learning and the changes that I'm making um, so that I could be emotionally well. Because a part of being emotionally well is having a sense of self-esteem, being able to sleep at night, feeling good about yourself, mm -hmm. uh, being accountable to someone else. A lot of women talk a lot about emotional eating, that when they're depressed, they do emotional eating, but some do emotional spending. And marketers mm. know that. They know that we can be impulsive. And this digital world has made it too easy for us to part with our dollars. It, mm. It's just made it too easy. You know, you, you said something that I think is 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 key. And, and what bothers me the most, I mean, as I'm just reflecting on it, you know, I sometimes I just got to step away from the technology because yes. even my Google search, oh. just the algorithms, I don't know how they do it, but it just connects to all of my social media platforms. And so if I was looking at a particular uh, food item or a particular car or whatever, now it's everywhere. Right. And it just everywhere. keeps being thrown in my face. And then I wonder why I'm like looking around, you know, trying to. <laughs> <laughs> trying to see, talk to my wife, see, hey, can we buy this thing, right? Can we buy this? Yeah. Right. Uh, um, yeah, it's our emotions. And our emotions, we either shop because of comfort and convenience. And in the pandemic, we needed convenience. So I work with a lot of women and said, Jewel, I'm doing too much of the food delivery. I'm not going to say the names, but there are a lot of food deliveries, fast food, food deliveries. Jewel, mm -hmm. I can't get off of the shopping markets because all I have to do is once my card is in the system, just swipe it and it's done. And what I'm helping them to understand is that emotionally you're distancing yourself from cash. And the more you distance yourself from cash, you don't feel the sting. You don't feel the loss. Hmm. So tell me about tell me about that a little bit. Well, psychologically, you know, for a while I thought I was really good. Like I don't carry cash. And at first I was doing it for security, like if my purse, if I lost it or something, I would yeah. I'd hate to lose my cash. But yeah. I realized that I was tricking myself to think that, oh, I don't carry cash. But once I started learning the power of cash, I don't like parting with cash, but it's very easy to swipe my card and I don't feel the loss right away. Because if I give you my card and you give it back to me, psychologically, I didn't lose anything. Mm. But if I give you my cash, it's like, oh, Lord, I just broke the 100. I just broke the 50. I just I, Let me, do I really want that? Do I really need that? And most times we realize that we are being motivated by what we want, not what we need. Wow. I had never reflected on that. So you're, you're telling me that... So if I if, if I give my I won't call the card, but if I give my card, they give me back the card. So I didn't yes. lose something. I didn't but lose when something. I give the cash, it's gone. It's they don't give gone. me back. It's gone. That's why it feels painful. Well, it's like very, it's very painful. And so I've been challenging the ladies in my master class. Uh, let's not spend any. Let's not uh, let's not use our cards this week. It's interesting that we're having this conversation this week because that was the week. 
And I asked everybody to create their own challenge. So some of them said, well, I'm not going to buy on Amazon. Some of them said, I'm going to get rid of the clutter. I see where I've been wasting my money. Some of them said, I'm going to start saving so much every week. Uh, we, we all have, we're not all in the same boat, but we're in a boat and that boat is sinking. Mm. Uh, most women, we will outlive our spouses. Mm. We will find ourselves sometimes taking care of our grandchildren or taking care of a spouse who has health issues. There's so many women that I counsel that are stressed because of caregiving and their life changed, not just because of the pandemic, but their income changed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I find that a lot of women don't like those difficult conversations with their husbands. They're not asking, they're, they have what we call the Cinderella effect, like, oh, this is gonna magically be taken care of. He's gonna mm-hmm. take care of everything. And then they find themselves after the funeral or after the divorce, handicapped. They don't know where anything is. They don't know how to do anything. They gave the power away and they didn't get the information. So I grew up, Nikolai, in a home where we didn't financially struggle. All my needs were met. I never understood that my parents had good credit. I never understood that they were using credit cards. I didn't know how they were able to buy it. We watched the home being built. I didn't know that because we were getting new school clothes and Easter clothes and Christmas presents, that there was money attached to that. We didn't have those table conversations. So there's a lot of shame that we experience when we finally start to talk about this taboo conversation about money. And I tell women, I said, you know, nobody taught me how to fly an airplane, so I shouldn't be ashamed I can't fly an airplane. Well, nobody taught me about money either. Now, I'm not going to point fingers, but I'm going to acknowledge the fact that I never learned. Therefore, I need to learn. And I need not allow the enemy to make me feel so ashamed that I don't open up my mouth and I don't seek help. I have mentors in other areas of my life. I need mentoring in my finances because... I'm honest enough with myself to say, Jewel, there's some things you just don't know. And a lot of times you'll hear women say, I just don't understand money. I don't understand numbers. I don't like doing it. And especially if you're a creative like myself, I consider myself a creative, which means Mm -hmm. I use my right brain more than I use my left brain. The left brain lights up when we talk about money and strategies and linear thinking and order and things that are rational. Mm-hmm. And because I live mostly in my right brain, I love music, I love spirituality, I love God, I love helping people, I'm a people person, I love colors, <laughs> you know, all of that is in the right brain. Mm-hmm. So when I had to be challenged to activate my left brain, I, ugh, ugh, there's a resistance because you're not used to using that muscle. Mm-hmm. You, you, that, so there's so much, man, I want to unpack so much. There's something you said about getting help. I, I mean, here, here we've often reserved the idea of people being educated on finances if they're poor, right? If they uh, are maybe on the verge of being homeless, one paycheck away from not surviving. Yeah. But yet you're saying you grew up in an environment where many of your needs were met, but you yeah. weren't taught it, right? So arguably you were in a different socioeconomic situation, but you still weren't taught it. What would it, what are the, what would you suggest are ways of having a come to Jesus moment with (laughs) ourselves, right? Because many of us make, you know, let's say we didn't go, you know, come from a certain situation and we may have a decent job and we have a decent salary and payroll comes on time. And, and, but yet we're like, well, you know, it's going to be okay. So what, how do we have that come to Jesus moment? What's the first step that somebody would have to take who's listening here, um, in, on the show today to, to realize what's going on? Um, well, I, I believe I hear you saying, what is the first step we should do to reconcile our finances, to recognize the reality of our financial well-being that is not well? <laughs> yes, it, absolutely. We're, we're experiencing a dis-ease a dis-ease in our finances. Mm-hmm. And um, Nikolai, I have found that there's only two ways that people change. Either they are desperate or they're mm. inspired. Mm. Either you're so desperate or you are inspired. So people like you and hopefully someone like me can inspire someone to say, 
Okay, it's time. Yeah. I, I need to. I need to get it together. Don't wait until you are desperate. Don't wait until you're backed up into a crisis. Don't wait until you're experiencing those horrible, embarrassing consequences. Mm-hmm. Don't wait. Be inspired because it's a reality. Mm-hmm. And we got to break those generational cycles of overspending or poverty or being on assistance or just thinking the job is going to take care of you or thinking that your mate is going to take care of you or you're going to win the lottery or you're going to wait until that parent dies and now you're going to mm-hmm. get into some money. No, we have to stand in our own power and understand that it is up to us to get the education. You know, we're really big on, and I am too, on Black history. And I'm learning things about Black history all the time. Like, wow, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Wow, I didn't know that. But we got to be just as passionate about teaching financial literacy because there's Mm -hmm. things we don't know. The game is set up for the winners to win, for the rich to win. And so I heard someone so so I heard someone say wealth takes from the uninformed and gives to the informed. Hmm. Wow. So, okay, so let's 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 run. Let's look at a hypothetical situation. What are some what are some signs of not of me not being okay either emotionally with my money or some signs that you know like you were you would let's say you come into a situation you look you like mm, something's wrong with your finances, right? Yeah. Cuz sometimes we see the the extreme situation, the person strung out and uh you know uh, spending their money all sorts of things. How would a how would a person who just kind of I would say just kind of used to things as they are, you know, they have credit cards, et cetera. How were some signs, would you say, of somebody? One of them is when you're defensive, Mm. when when you're holding secrets Hmm. from your partner, your mate, your Mm -hmm. children, Uh, when you have an addiction and you cannot control an addiction. We think addiction always has to do with alcohol or drugs or food. But we can be addicted to bad relationships. We can be addicted to shopping. Mm, wow. Uh, and what what I want, especially women to understand, is that we use shopping as anesthesia. It, it numbs us. It gives us, mm. it either helps us with our pain or gives us a temporary high. That's why mm. people are on drugs, because either they had such a horrible something traumatic happened in their life that they don't want to feel the pain. So they numb themselves or they're so depressed. They want to get high. And mm. that's what happens with shopping. We get a high. Oh, it's on sale. Oh mm. my God. Girl, did you see what I got? Mm. And we feel good for the moment until we go right back home or until we get the, the bill in the mail. And then we realize what we've done. Yeah. So when you're defensive and somebody's trying to call you out and say, you know what, do you really need that? Or where did the money go? Or when you realize that um, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the month, there's no more money or that you're constantly living on credit. Mm. When you get the aha moment and you finally check your credit rating and, you, and it's unfavorable. It's a aha, it's a come to Jesus moment when you try to get that house or get that car and you realize that because of your poor spending that you have to pay a higher rate when you can't get that dream house when you can't get that loan for your business you realize I have to look in the mirror when you look around and you say how did I get all these shoes why do I have two or three closets Hmm. Why is it when I hang up my clothes? Oh, I already have that blouse. Hmm. That's real. That's (laughs) real. And and what happened with me, Nikolai, was in hindsight, I realized, you know, God bless your soul. My mother's passed on. But I realized my mother was very depressed. My mother was fashionable. She was beautiful. But she never emotionally connected with me and my sisters. But 
I would see her go shopping or she would take us shopping and then I would see her hide things in the closet. I got married at a young age and guess what I started doing? I was buying things. And what do you think I was doing, Nikolai? You're hiding it in the closet. Hiding them in the closet. <laughs> because we we repeat what is modeled before us. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so when I'm working with, as a life coach, when I take off the motivational speaker hat and I put on the life coaching counseling hat, I have to know about your childhood. I have to know what shaped you because we often repeat what we saw or we do the exact opposite. So if someone saw a family member who was a, a, you know, a shopper, a spender, a gambler, mm -hmm. a rescuer, helping everybody else in the family, then that man or woman may go up and say, I'm not doing, I'm not helping nobody. I'm keeping all my money. If someone saw that their parent gave all the money to the church, but yet they were struggling, mm -hmm. either they're going to do the same thing or they're going to have a bad feeling about church. If my father was a gambler. He, he ran the numbers. But I didn't grow with him. I, I, I knew about it, but he didn't have an influence on me as my mother did because she's a woman. She's someone that I put on a pedestal. And she never said anything to me about it. It's just what I saw. So we have to be, we have to do some work and ask ourselves, where did I get this habit from? Why do I think that my image or that brand purse or those brand shoes, why do I equate that to be my worth what mm. happens if i don't have those things and i think the pandemic gave many people an opportunity to reflect and to say wait a minute what am i doing what are the choices that i'm making work where, where do i need to to change what do i need to heal what do i need to do differently because yeah. maybe their income stopped or they lost their business or they lost their home um Emotions are play a big part in the choices that we make, and that's why I focus more, less on motivation and more on emotional wellness. Because if my clients get emotionally well, they will be, they'll receive the motivation and they'll be able to maintain it. But you can achieve success and lose your soul, mm -hmm. and lose your credit, <laughs> and lose, yeah. lose people because you were not emotionally well. You need to like yourself. You need to know your worth separate from things and stuff. You need to know how do I cope when life hits me in the gut? How do I deal with temptation? Mm -hmm. These are hard questions. And so I know a lot of people run from these type of conversations because we get very comfortable in our habits. We get very comfortable lying to ourselves. We get very comfortable with our secrets, we get very comfortable until life hits us hard. And that's why I say most people do not change unless they're desperate or they're inspired. Hmm. Wow. Well, it's better to be inspired than desperate. But you know, I, I, I mean, so I'm sorry. I'm reflecting on so many different things. <laughs> um, tell, tell me about. We, we touched a bit about how you got into this journey of, um, of entre entrepreneurship and, and, mm -hmm. and moving in this direction. There may be women who are listening and they're saying to themselves, well, I, you know, how do I, how do I, how do I figure out what yeah. I'm good at? I, I'm tired of working, yeah. um, you know, doing a nine to five, I, you know, a family, I'm trying to do something different, uh, and change, change the uh, situation for, for generations to come, what what would you what was where would we start? Where does somebody do for that aha moment? Um, just tell us a little bit. What would it take to get into entrepreneurship or even wealth building? What would that look like? Ooh, that's a big question. So let me see if I can pull out some gems here. Mm -hmm. First of all, you gotta have a plan because I quit, even though I had a plan. It wasn't a really good plan. Fortunately, I landed on my feet and I married. So I had, there were two incomes. I talk to women all the time. Like, I can't stand my job. I want to quit. I'm going to say, do you have a plan? Do you have an emergency fund? Do you have at least three months of savings? 
Um, you have to, again, we go back to the emotions. We get tired, we get mad, we get sad, and we allow the emotions to take over a rational mind. And so the left brain is always going to say, how are you going to do it? The right brain says, what are we going to do? This is what I want. But the left brain is going to say, but how? And if you're not activating that left brain, if you're not willing to answer those questions, you're setting yourself up for a very risky move. So I had to learn to listen to those questions. Well, Joe, how are we going to do this? When are we going to do this? And who are you going to do it with? So I would say, if you are tired of where you are right now, just tell yourself, this is not permanent. Mm -hmm. It's meeting my needs. I need to pay my bills, but I'm going to start putting some money aside. I'm going to start reading about my passion, the thing that I love. I'm going to start looking at other people that do the same thing, and I'm going to query them. I'm going to ask them to be a mentor. I'm going to study them. I'm going to find out the ups and the downs because every decision has a consequence. Every decision has a cost. If you stay where you are and you don't like it, it's going to cost you mentally. It'll cost you emotionally. It'll cost you in your joy and your sense of purpose. But if you choose to leave your job, it's going to cost you. Are you willing to make that investment? Are you? I had to minimize my lifestyle. I wasn't buying new things. I didn't buy new cars. I still don't buy new cars. I buy previously owned cars, but I do that now because I understand how cars depreciate. But I did it at first because it's like, okay, I can't afford to get a new car and I don't care because I'm cutting down my lifestyle and my expenses because I know that I'm not going to make money right away and i got to wait until I start making a decent income to get the things that I want. Mm -hmm. But I also made the decision that since I chose the life of being an entrepreneur, which means I don't know from month to month what my income is going to be. It, I've had harvest times and I've had droughts. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you're not mentally, spiritually, and emotionally and in a relationship that's going to help you to get through that, you're going to crash and burn. You mm. need to be around people that are honest because I get that question all the time, Nikolai, and I'm honest. I'm like, don't look at me and think this has been easy. Don't look mm -hmm. at me and think that I'm just blinging all over the place and I'm no, no, I, I paid a price for this freedom that I have to be self-employed. It comes with a cost. I had to learn about taxes. I had to learn about bookkeeping. I had to learn about time. I had to learn about boundaries. Hmm. I had to learn how to keep one of my famous slogans that most people remember me for is, I had to keep the main thing, the main thing. I could hmm. not allow people hmm. to distract me. I had to study and I'm still studying to be the best teacher, the best life coach, the best speaker, the best author, the best wife, the best mother, the best grandmother. I am still learning. And it seems like the more I learn, Nikolai, I realize I don't know as much as I thought I did. Hmm. Knowledge is out there. It's out there. So I would say to that person that's frustrated at that job, I get it. I totally get it. But prepare yourself. Be proactive. Get a plan. Hmm. Ask questions. Read. Study the websites and the and the uh, the YouTubes and, and anybody that's in that field. I don't I don't have time to read books on mystery or hmm. you know frivolous hmm. stuff. Right. I do is I focus on the word of God and on anything about personal development, emotional wellness. I'm studying now about the brain, hmm. the neurons, I'm studying neuroplasticity neuroplasticity which means that we can change the brain oh we wow have to remain a victim we don't have to be a hostage of our past i mm. work with women who have had sexual violence women who've had poverty women who and uh, oh god multiple relationships women who um adopted women who have failure after failure after failure women who are single parents women who have buried their children like me, my 38-year-old son passed away. Mm -hmm. So I have um, a sensitivity towards women that are dealing with hardships. That's why I created my 501c3, Women on the Grow, because in order for us to grow, we have to do the work. Mm 
Mm-hmm. We have to do the work. And even though I became an ordained minister, I realized that in the church, there was a void because mm-hmm. I find that sometimes, you know, we'll just say, well, God's going to take care of it. And we, well, we got to do the work. Oh, you got to stay right there. See, this, you know, this, this is how you know this is a God-ordained conversation. Because I was just going to ask you this next question. What do you tell the brethren and the sisters and, <laughs> and the people of God who, who say, well, God yeah. will supply yeah. all my needs. It'll be all right. Go ahead. I'm, I'm going to let you talk. I'm going to let you talk. <laughs> well, I, I, I have a lot of sayings in my head. And one of them is that God will... He will take care of the birds, but you got to get out the nest and get it. You got to leave. You, <laughs> Come on. You have to do the work. You you know, he says, if you take a step, then I'll, I'll, tell, I'll guide you. But are you willing to take a step? So hmm. I find that with women, either we're looking for a rescuer and that mate, that parent that's going to take care of us. And I don't have to do anything or we're look, see, we're doing this horizontally or we're doing it vertically. Well, God's going to take care of me. Hmm. And this is a trap. Hmm. This is a trap. Or we fall into the trap. Well, nobody knows how hard my life was. I just interviewed a lady hmm. two days ago hmm. who was homeless for four years with six children. What? And a GED. She is has a PhD. Wow. Her children are doing well. She and her children have written books. They're in the military. They're doing mm-hmm. well. She mm-hmm. made a conscious choice. And she said, you know what? I wasn't raised in the church. And I'm not putting the church down, but what I'm saying is that she pulled herself up by her own bootstraps. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. said, I had to make a decision between suicide and legacy. Mm. And she, wow. made, she said, I was tired. I was burned out. I finally did have my come to Jesus moment, she said. But even before that, she said, I got to make this happen. I got to take care of my kids. She mm. has an amazing story. So for women, even like myself, who have a husband, for women who have always had a job, for women who have degrees, for women who find themselves accomplished and never missed a meal, always could make their car note, always could make their their mortgage. Hmm. We are the ones that are more likely to fall apart if we're not doing the work, if something unforeseen happens, like a hurricane, hmm. like a pandemic, like the death of a loved one, loss of a job. Because hmm. somehow you're, you're psychologically, you think it's always going to be there and we can't afford to have that type of thinking. We have to learn how to become savers, readers. We have to seek help and coaching and mentoring, uh, financial advisors. There are people out there that will that will help us. I, I stopped being afraid of asking questions about the stocks and and you see, there's the the elements that have to do with money are either you're earning money, spending money, saving money investing money, borrowing money, or protecting your money. Hmm. And Hmm. when it comes to protecting your money, most women don't know how to protect it because they haven't had those difficult conversations. Yeah. Um, I know women who are saying, you know what? My parents are aging and uh, I need to ask them questions about their property. I need to ask them questions about their wishes. Because I know when I was young, my parents died when I was much younger. Hmm. You didn't want to have that conversation. Like, well, so mom, so dad, what are we going to do? You're like, yeah. Because you don't even want yeah. to think you're going to live forever. Yeah, that's true. That's you, true. It was a shock to me. My mother died right in front of me. My, my father mm-hmm. died right in front of me. My son died right in front of me. So these difficult conversations... Mm-hmm keep us from having financial well-being and we have to have those difficult conversations. Where is the money? What is the plan? Hmm. Where is the paperwork? That, I mean, that that is, there's so much there because, you know, even, I grew up in, a, in, in an environment where you didn't, 
I mean, just culturally, you don't, it's almost yeah. like asking, when are you going to die? Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I That's the word. Like, how yeah. dare you? <laughs> right, right. And, uh, you know, even even now, you know, I, I'm kind of, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to live to 200. <laughs> I'm going to see my great-grandchildren. Yeah. But you're right. The conversation needs to happen between spouses, between family members, um, because trust, I mean, and, and speaking as a pastor, when you get to the funeral, there's some drama that happens. You've seen it. You've seen it, right? Oh, man. You've and it's, it. It, and, and um, yeah, and I used to work in, in, in human resources briefly. And the day after the, the funeral, day. it's it's like, well, why didn't you sign up for this and do that? And, you know, they're yelling at me and I'm like, it's your 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 spouse made these choices so i don't i can't tell them what to do but um divorce, so you're, you divorce yeah. and death are realities oh, man they are realities we don't want it to happen but one of yeah. them is inevitable <laughs> mm. one of them is inevitable mm. and um, yeah when you don't you know and i i think there are other ethnic groups they they think ahead they have us they have what we call generational wealth yeah yeah that's true they have generational wealth it's just part of their conversation it's part of their mindset so so in our culture you know my parents were not able to leave us the house they didn't put anything in place and it was so sad to see the house that we grew up in you know, it was it was it's heartbreaking. But no one had the conversation. My 38-year-old son. 38. Hmm. Died from cancer. No parent plans hmm. to bury their child. But do you have insurance on them? Hmm. We didn't. It happened so quickly. They told us he had a year to, to go. He went in six weeks. Mm. And when you get bad news, you don't think clearly. Mm. You don't put things in place. So that's why I say don't make decisions when you're desperate. Do it when you're inspired. That when you hear someone or you read something that you say, oh, wait a minute. Let me get it together. Let it may be uncomfortable, but there are some realities we must confront. Yeah, we're not getting out of this thing alive. Hmm. There are women who whose husbands have Social Security, retirements, all types of benefits, and they don't even know. I, I know of a woman in our tribe. She um, recently lost her husband, and. Um, they didn't decide to, to get married until a few months before his passing. They knew it was his time was terminal, but they mm -hmm. needed to put some things in place because the children from previous relationships, you know, there was going to be some drama. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I have switched from just focusing on name it and claim it and go get it. It's like, <laughs> no, I need to teach emotional wellness. What, how is anger consuming you? Mm. What is stress doing to you? Mm. What are you sad about that you're so stuck in the past you can't live in the moment? Mm. What, what, what emotional damage happened to you because of rejection, because of divorce, mm -hmm. because of death, because of breast cancer, because of being sexually violated, because of not getting the job, not getting the contract? Everybody eventually has some type of trauma. Yeah. And if we don't deal with it, especially people of color, we're dealing with trauma just looking at what's happening in the news. Right. Sometimes right. I can't even watch it because it's traumatizing just to realize what the injustices and the unfortunate things that happen to people. And you're like, that could be me. That could be my husband. That could mm -hmm. be my son. That could be my daughter. It's yeah. traumatizing. And when we don't know how to deal with trauma, we will find ourselves numbing ourselves with food, alcohol, drugs, shopping, pornography, 
staying busy. I'm too busy. Hmm. And a lot of women stay busy because if, and this is the pandemic revealed this to a lot of people. Oh, I used to go and go and go and go and travel and travel and go and go. And now that I can't do it, I am dealing with some things that are hmm. really troubling. Yeah. My client base went to the skyrocketed since the pandemic. That's the silver lining for me. I've got more clients now because they're like, Jewel, hmm. I did not know the mess I created for myself. I did not realize that I had buried these emotions and now they're coming to the surface. I've been triggered. And so what we do is we spend, we eat, we drink, we get mad, we blame, and we never look in the mirror and say, what can I do? And so in Psalm 34, 5, it says, those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Hmm. So when we look to God and we say, God, help me, God, God, I need, I need you, God. I, Lord, I need you. I messed up. Lord, I didn't know. Nobody told me. I don't hmm. want to live in blame and shame. Lord, help me. God will, he will open up doors. He will send people you know, I met you, Nikolai, because one of the ladies in my tribe, Belisha, you know, mm -hmm. we talk all the time about financial well-being. We didn't used to talk about that, but because she knows that that's what I'm, that's the vibe that I'm on now. She said, you got to listen to this young man. Now, she would not have sent that to me if she didn't know that that's the train of thought that I'm on. Yeah, because I didn't do that for years because like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to teach it. I don't know nothing. So I stayed away from this conversation. Hmm. I will not be ashamed. I will not let the enemy win. I will not. Because hmm. through Christ, I can do all things. Amen. I can get up out yeah. of the dead. I can get up out of the mud. I can get up out of the shame. I can get up out of the sadness, the grief. But you got to see God. And then once God orders our steps, do you have the courage to do what God says to do? Because hmm. God may be saying, uh, yellow light, wait a minute, stop, hmm. slow down. <laughs> or God may be saying, stop, this is not the time. That's not the person. That's not the project. And then what do we do? We run red lights. Hmm. Mm -mm -mm. I'm not running any more red lights. Hmm. Mm -mm. I, I ran too many, Nikolai. I ran too many red lights and yellow lights. I didn't pay attention. I didn't take the driver's test. I just got behind the wheel of my life and nobody asked me hmm. how I was dealing with my finances, my health, my marriage. I've made so many missteps, but I am hmm. not ashamed. Hmm. Because once you do your truth telling, the enemy can't, 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 can't do nothing to me. Hmm. That's true. Yeah. I don't have no true. secrets. Yeah. I'm not hiding. I'm I'm seeking the Lord. Lord, show me what do I need to read? Who do I need to talk to? What do I need to do differently? What do I need to let go of? Mm -hmm. What habits do I need to stop? And it's a process. But I tell you, the more you do it and the more obedient you are, and the, the word obedient comes from the Latin word, which means to listen. Mm. It means to listen. So, you know, you got your precious little children. When you're telling them something, the thing you want most from them is to listen to you, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm not going to stir you wrong. I'm your father. I want the best for you. I want you to stop. Listen. Shut up. Listen. Be quiet. Mm -hmm. Listen. Stand still. Listen. And a lot of times we're like so busy. We, we can't stand still. We can't stop talking. And God is saying, stop. Stop talking. Mm -hmm. Stop moving. Listen. Hmm. Listen. And when you listen, whoo, and then when you look at the word listen and you scramble up the letters and you don't take any letters away and you don't add any letters, you get the word silent. Hmm. Y'all just got to listen. <laughs> you got to run that back. That's a word. My goodness. <laughs> They don't even so know what just happened. The word, the word says, be still. Mm. Be still. And and people are mm. running around. We can't do anything.
can't we can't go anywhere i can't travel i have i'm used to traveling i've been traveling all my life hmm. i have been on an airplane in a year and i had to say i surrender okay 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 god you got my attention oh okay I, i'm gonna be obedient god I'm, I'm gonna use cash god i'm gonna track my money god I'm going to notice when I'm feeling bored or lonely or sad, why I'm eating that or why I'm buying that. Okay, God. Uh, okay. Hmm. That's what conviction is. You get arrested. You put your hands behind your back and you say, whoo, just hmm. got arrested. God just called me out and said, you know what? <laughs> you are not bearing fruit. You are not, you are not listening to me. You keep, and I love you. Oh, I, you my child. I love you. But you're going to keep on repeating this. Hmm. So we think, hmm. oh, well, God's grace. God loves me. Yeah, God loves you. His child. I don't care what my son does. I love my child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he does some things sometimes like, what are you doing? Right. Why hmm. are you listening to your dad and I, right? Hmm. <laughs> and then you say, okay, you know what? You got free will. Gone. Go on, be mm -hmm. the prodigal child. Go ahead, go ahead on, because you'll be coming back one day. But don't mm. wait until it's too late. Hmm. Hmm. Just be obedient. Hmm. Just wow. be obedient. But our ego, our wants, not our needs, get in the way. The marketing machine gets into our head and makes us think that we got to have it. Hmm. It knows our proclivities. It knows what you like. You know, you know, uh, <laughs> you go searching for a washing machine next thing you know, every time, everywhere you go, there's washing machines. There's washing machines. Right? I don't even need a washing machine, but lately I've been thinking about getting a new washing machine and dryer and the Holy Spirit said, ain't nothing wrong with your washing machine and dryer. You just want a new one because they got mm. these fancy, pretty ones out. And your washing machine is doing the job. Why do why, why you need a new washing machine? Hmm. I just, because I, it's pretty. And it makes me feel good. And it gives me prestige. Oh, she's got the latest. Hmm. But who's going to pay? Are they going to pay for it, Jewel? No, God, they're not going to pay for it. I'll be paying for it. Hmm. Hmm. Then be obedient. You don't need it. Not I can't do nothing. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. See, because a lot of our a lot of our spending is childish. I, what we want, what we want, when we want it, and this digital world has allowed it to happen. When do you want it? And I'll tell you, you can have it, and I'll tell you when it's going to arrive. And guess what? If you don't want to pay for it in full, you can do afterpay. Mm. That now. Well, oh boy, somebody's going to get set free today. Somebody's getting set free. So it's all about consumerism and not ownership. Mm. Other other uh, groups of people are are lenders and not borrowers. Hmm. Hmm. Because they will wear the same outfit, and they will not wear their wealth around their neck or on their on their shoes. We hmm. do it. I heard someone say, I wish I could remember who said it, but they said, when you have been denied, when you've been deprived and you don't feel a part of a certain class of people, if I can't be in that group, then I'll dress like that group. Hmm. That makes me feel worthy, makes me feel like, even though I don't really have it, but I'll wear it and I'll look like I'm part of that group. Hmm. But, if when you, but when you look at those that are the lenders, they're wearing t-shirts and jeans and they can go on vacation whenever they want to go on vacation. They can have two and three and four and five houses. I remember when the uh, Hurricane Katrina happened. Mm -hmm, remember mm -hmm. that? Yeah. I was traveling and I was on a, a transportation bus from the airport and there were there was a couple sitting behind me. And I heard somebody say, well, how did you how did you guys survive the Katrina? And they said, oh, well, we just got in our car and we drove to our next house further from the the flooding. Next and they, house? 
Yeah, the next house. And then they oh. said, and then they said, and but you know what? Um, the, the flood just kept coming. And we felt like we were in danger still. And they said, Well, what did you do then? They said, Oh, we just went to the next house. What? Like, I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you are financially well, you have choices. Mm. You have less stress. Because Mother Nature, death, divorce, sickness, pandemic, doesn't care who you are. Hmm. They don't care who you are. But when you have made good financial choices, uh, financial decisions, then you have choices. That is the bottom line that I realized that I robbed myself of choices because of impulsive shopping. I want what I want now. Mm. It looks good. It feels good. It's on sale. And guess what, Nikolai? I deserve it. Mm -hmm. we, I deserve it. Look at all, what, what I'm doing. I deserve it. <laughs> and guess what? I'm going to treat myself. And guess what? If my husband or other people are not giving me flowers or giving me gifts, I'll give it to me. Hmm. I'm getting in trouble. I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm listening. You tell it. You tell it. You tell it. You tell him. I said I was just. I won't tell you what type of car. I was just telling my friend the other day. I deserve it. See. See? And it, it it was a. It was. It had a certain engine. And when you turn it on, everybody gonna hear it. And it, it goes. Makes us, it makes us feel good to get nice things. Yeah. And um, yeah. I had to buy the lesson, Nikolai, years ago. I used to just uh, lease cars because I wanted a nice car. I had lost a car. I had a car repossessed. Mm. Um, in the earlier years of me starting off being an entrepreneur, my money was funny. My change was strange. Mm, mm. And I woke up one day and I said, we're taking your car. Mm. Boy, how, how, how awkward that was. Yeah. So then I started leasing cars. And then... One day I said, uh, why do I have to give you money? And I'm turning this car in. They said, oh, no, that's how lease works. You owe us money because of the mileage. Didn't read the fine print. Hmm. Yeah, but I'm rolling. And I'm and I out of desperation, I said, God, I will never ever buy lease a car and I will never buy a new car. Hmm. Because I had a mentor that told me the minute you buy a new car, it depreciates and then it rolls off a lot. Hmm. So hmm. I, I, the last three cars that I bought were previously owned, lasted a lot. I didn't even have to get rid of them, but it was like, okay, before it starts breaking down, let me just go ahead and upgrade. The car hmm. I'm driving right now is a 2013 Lexus. It hmm. looks brand new. Hmm. Hmm. It had low mileage and I paid cash for it. So guess what? I don't have a car note hanging around my neck. What a mm -hmm. liberating feeling. Yes. Car note. Hmm. But nobody told me these things. I had to learn the hard way. I lost money. I, based on what status and convenience and comfort and lack of knowledge, because we think that ignorance means that you're stupid. No, ignorance comes from the word to ignore. When you mm -hmm. ignore what you're learning you're going to make poor choices so what you are teaching what i'm teaching if somebody ignores these cautionary tales they're ignorant mm. wow and you give and you get and you will get the consequences of being ignorant hmm. Hmm. jewel this this conversation has been amazing it's been inspiring it has uh, called for reflection and rebuke and further <laughs> reflection um, conviction, hopefully. and conviction um how how can so so we we gotta know how do we connect with you how do you have uh are you on instagram or your website tell us how can somebody get in contact with you this uh, whether that's the master class if they want to move to california <laughs> what do they have to do to connect with jewel well uh my website is my name jeweldiamondtaylor.com. I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook. I am on LinkedIn. 
I have a YouTube channel. Just look up Jewel Diamond Taylor. comes right up. Um, I am a podcaster. I have a newsletter. So if someone texts me, um, I send out my newsletter by text. They get a link. Because what I've learned, Nikolai, is that people are less likely to open up emails now. People are inundated with emails. But they'll open up a text. So I send out my newsletter via text. I also have a thought for the day number. So if people want to get inspired with a nugget, they can call 310-526-2552. I am based in California, about between Los Angeles and Palm Springs in an area called Rancho Cucamonga. Mm -hmm. And um, I let go of my office space some time ago because the overhead was ridiculous. Just so like I say, I have an office, guess what? Uh, I hmm. let that go because people are used to the virtual Zoom. So I do, most of my coaching clients are out of state. So hmm. I've been Zooming before the pandemic. And for those that are local, um, I will meet them somewhere, but I'm not having an expensive overhead just to say I have an office space. This wasn't practical. It wasn't rational. Um, I also have the master class every Sunday, three o'clock Pacific time, six o'clock Eastern time. I have, I produce women's retreats and women's conferences. And, uh, as things are starting to lift, we will plan something very soon, but they can always check out my website, my calendar of events. If they want to invite me to speak, if they want some one-on-one -on -one coaching, all that information is on my website. Thank you so much for sharing that intel with us. Thank you so much for being with us on this podcast. Um, I want to give a special shout shout out to our mutual friend, uh, Valicia uh, Carter, yes. um, for the connect. That was, I mean, it was just a it was a God moment. Um, uh, how we connected and how how you and I connected as well. So I just want to thank uh, thank her as well and thank you for the opportunity to just have this conversation and to inspire others to bring us to a better space and understanding of what we need to do with our God-given responsibilities. Thank you so much. Are there any final words you want to share with our audience? Well, I want to thank you too for being a leader. I want to thank you too for the ministry that you have. I, I can sense that you have a very um, um, open mind. I can sense that you're hungry. I can sense that you want to be holistic in your approach to applying the word of God. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for that because we need you young people. You know, I got to pass the baton. So I thank you for being, uh, closing the generation gap and saying, you know, feed me, feed me, talk to me. Now everybody's that open to it. And I would also let your audience know that I do um, have my website for my nonprofit organization, Women on the Grow. That is my ministry without walls. And anyone that feels inspired to make a donation, we gladly receive that. It's a tax-deductible donation, which blesses so many women that need help with mental wellness, emotional wellness, uh, spiritual enrichment, uh, strengthening their relationships, overcoming trauma, dealing with being a single parent or caregiving or unemployment. Uh, we offer finances. We offer books. I'm able to waive my fee because of our donors. So anyone that can that appreciates and understands giving and helping others and serving God's people, this is one resource that we uh, thank you for recognizing our work uh, so that others can, can be well, so that they can survive and thrive. And that website is womenonthegrow.org womenonthegrow.org. Thank you so much, Nikolai. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you would like to stay in contact and keep in touch with what we're doing, follow us on Instagram at The Unpreached Truth. That's right. The Unpreached Truth. No underscores, no spaces. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Share this message with somebody. And remember, speak the truth and speak it ever.